We long for the peace of Christ in our world. for the voice of the prophets crying out in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him and the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord thank you Our opening hymn is an Advent hymn that reminds us that Advent is a season of coming for the whole earth, the north, the south, the east and the west. So we join together, standing if we're able, as we sing, Hills of the North Rejoice.
for the second Advent Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent already, just a week into December, and we're halfway through our time of preparing. Goodness me, can this be how it is? And what on earth can we do about it? Well, perhaps we can start with prayer, so let's pray together. Loving God, it all feels so fast, this race through Advent. Barely time to count the days, let alone prepare our hearts and minds to think whatever it is we're meant to be pondering. Around us, fast-paced, frenetic activity, as powerful people seek quick solutions to complex international situations, with no time to evaluate long-term implications of this or that decision to act this way or that way. The incongruity of coloured lights and festive markets, cut-price bargains selected to lure us into the shops stacked high with consumer goods we neither need nor desire. At the self-same time, as people are laid off from work, relationships crack or crumble under the strain of expectations, and people just streets from here live in poverty or fear. It's all too big, too complicated, too confusing. And we need a moment just to exhale, to let it go and snatch a moment's respite. We so want to get Advent right, holy God. So want to live out the values we claim to hold, so want to get our focus on the mystery of the incarnation and even to contemplate that of the parousia at, this, at the end of time. We so want to speak and be good news for the poor, to achieve justice for those on the margins, to liberate those who are oppressed. And yet, if truth is told, we find ourselves enslaved by our own mixed motives and unrealistic expectations. So perhaps what we need to pray for first is our own liberation. Freed simply to be, rather than to achieve. To know ourselves loved and accepted for who we are. Not what we can or might achieve in life. To discover that sometimes it is stillness rather than inaction that we become good news for others and for each other. That coming alongside is the beginning of justice and peace. That we don't need all the answers and solutions. We need simply to be. God who was, God who is, God who always will be, grant our busy souls rest and help us to find contentment and comfort in praying words borrowed from Jesus himself as we say together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. it's time to open the box again and see what we have inside today. Does anybody want to come and have a look? What's in my box? Okay, we have to bob down, don't we? Because the grown-ups all like to see as well. I know. They all think they're they're big and grown-up, but actually they're just as excited as anybody else. Okay, so who's going to take the top off for me? Go on then, Fergus, you take the top off. And Can anybody see who's inside? That is Joseph. Well done. And what do we know about Joseph right at the very start of the story? Hmm. It's quite a hard one, that one, isn't it? He was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Brilliant. Yeah. We think he was old, although we don't actually know. But yeah, we think he was quite old and he was a carpenter. And he was engaged to Mary, wasn't he? He was going to get married to her. And do you remember that he had a dream? And in the dream... An angel said to him that Mary was going to have a baby. And can you remember how Joseph felt? Was he happy? Or was he scared? Which do you think? He was scared. He was shaking. He was so scared. Because he didn't understand what was happening. 
But he was a good man, was Joseph. And he said, but I want to look after Mary. I don't want to, don't want to throw her out or anything. I, I want to take care of Mary. So it's good to remember Joseph, to give him his own place in the story, because unusually for a Bible story, he's just the kind of a bit player, and Mary's the main player. So, Sarah, would you like to put Joseph next to Mary up there so he can take care of her? as they begin to have their journey on the way to Bethlehem. And we need to find stars number 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So seven stars today. I'm just trying to think. So number 7, number 8, number 9, number 10. Oh, that's got a lot of words on. Number 11, number 12. Oh, this is working out perfectly today, isn't it? 12 and... 13. Okie dokie. Um, I might ask Kathy if she can be the glue monitor for today. And do you want to come over to the microphone so we can read them? It's a bit of a squish today, isn't it, with all that's going on? So, I'll come over this side. We can block the screen for a minute. It's okay, because nobody's trying to read up it. Right, Fergie, tell me about your star. Uh, it almost says a D. It says, do you want to show everybody? Hold it big and high up so everybody can see. Nothing on that one. And do you know why that is? Now, I, for, I did print off the bit that goes with it, and I didn't put it in the box. It's actually to say we can have a day off from having to do things. This is a day for us, a day to relax. That's nice, isn't it? A day to play and a day just to be. So do you want to go and pop that one on, on the calendar? Right, number eight. Take time to be silent and remember those who are sil- silenced by cruci- circumstance. circumstance or n- or are not able to use their voice. Throughout the day, listen for the stories of those who are overlooked or who don't speak out or, and draw them in your conversations. There were some big words in there, weren't there, Carl? Thank you. That was well done. So a day on Monday, tomorrow, to think about people who don't perhaps get heard. So maybe there's someone in your class at school who no one's friends with. Maybe for the grown-ups, there's a a people group you think nobody listens to them. And we could think about them and maybe just try to, to say some words of encouragement to that. Thank you. Number nine. Go for it, Sam. So we, so often we use our voices to criticize or complain. Write a list today of all that you are thankful for and place it beside your this star. Add it to the days leading up to Christmas. Thank you. Fantastic. So not only to talk to people who are a bit on the outside, but to think about things we're grateful for and to use our voices for that. Because I can be quite good at grumbling. I don't know about anybody else, but you know I can be a bit of a moany old what's-it sometimes. So it's good to say thank you and to, to be thankful for good things. Um, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> we got to ten? It's got number ten. Oh, you've got one with thousands of words on it. My goodness me. Okay. See how we go. The right to food, to shelter, to work, to leisure, leisure to education, education to freedom, we take them all for granted. Do you know how in how many countries this 
is not the case. This story is Jesus' story to burn in an occupied land and then forced to flee his own country. Thank you. There's a lot more words on there, but fantastic reading there. So Jesus' story is the story of many people who, who live in occupied countries, and that's really important, I think, for us to think about at the moment with so much that's going on in the world. That was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Fill a glass of water and sit down and drink it. Water is just one of the Earth's gifts which we waste in our Western society. Christmas can be a time of much waste, of food, of wrappings, of unwanted gifts. <clears throat> Could your celebration be marred if you decide to think about what the environment your gift is to these children? Remember to the, use the three R's. Reuse, recycle, reduce. Well done. Yep, so enjoy a nice glass of water and think about how fortunate that we are to have water. Who's next? You're next? You've got lots of words as well, haven't you? Watch out for images of the Clyde scheme as you go about today. For example, on Christmas cards or in a shop windows. Think about Mary, the baby's mother. Her hopes were for a world where the poor became rich and the proud were overcome. What are your hopes for the world? Thank you. So Mary reminding us about the poor people and the hopes of the world. Can we pop that star upon them? With the others? <laughs> Look for a clock or watch that ticks in your house and place it beside the lid of the Starbucks. Focus on each tick and notice how time goes by without our intervention. Let any worries you might have dissolve with every tick. Try to live each day to a different rhythm and not be swept up in the world's rush. Who's got a clock that ticks at home? Anybody got a clock or a watch at home that ticks? Hmm, A few people, but I think a few people are going to find that one quite challenging. Uh, You might have to find a metronome or um, see if you can make your computer or your phone tick or something. But what a great idea just to slow down at the end of another busy week. So a week of giving thanks, a week of remembering people in occupied countries uh, and some spaces that we definitely all need to slow down and relax and be still. So that's great. Now, if anybody's got presents for the uh, Salvation Army offering that they haven't yet brought out, perhaps you can do that now. And then I'm going to invite the youngsters to come and stand around with me and we'll just pray a blessing over them as they go off on their way. So whatever, if you have not had a chance to bring your things out and just pop them on the table or by the table, that would be lovely. Do you want to stay here, boys, and then we can just... Girls, do you want to come and join us? And we'll just join hands round, around the table. We'll just surround it with our love. Let's just all all join hands in a circle of love around these presents that we're going to send out to 
boys and girls and to young adults who perhaps won't have such a nice Christmas as we do. So let's pray together. Loving God in this week when we have so much to be grateful for, we dedicate these gifts to you and ask that they will go to the homes of children and young people who will really be blessed by them. They will bring a smile to somebody who might be lonely or sad or frightened. And that there will just be that glimmer of hope in their Christmas that there might not otherwise have been. Amen. Thank you. And so we're going to sing again from Common Ground number 28. Comfort, comfort now my people. Our scripture this morning shall be found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. 
you have given them great joy. Lord, you have made them happy. They rejoice in what you have done, as people rejoice when they harvest their corn, or when they divide captured wealth. For you have broken the yoke that burdened them, and the rod that bear their shoulders. You have defeated the nations that oppressed and exploited your people, just as you defeated the army of Midian long ago. The boots of the invading army and all their blood-stained clothing will be destroyed by fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. His royal power will continue to grow. His kingdom will always be at peace. He will rule as King David's successor basing his power on right and justice. From now until the end of time, the Lord Almighty is determined to do all this. And the second scripture reading is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. The royal... The royal line of David is like a tree that has been cut down. But just as new branches sprout from a storm, so is a new king will arise from among David's descendants. The spirit of the Lord will give him wisdom and the knowledge and skill to rule his people. We will know the Lord's will and honor him and find pleasure in obeying him. He will not judge by appearance or hearsay. He will judge the pure fairly and defend the rights of the helpless. At his command, his people will be punished, and evil persons will die. He will rule his people with justice and integrity. Wolves and sheep will live together in peace, and leopards will lie down with younger goats. Calves and lion cubs will feed together, and little children will take care of them. Cows and bears will eat together, and their calves and cubs will lie down in peace. Lions will eat straw as cattle do. Even a baby will not be armed if it plays near a poisonous snake. On Zion, God's sacred hill, there will be nothing harmful or evil. The land will be as full of knowledge of the Lord as the seas are full of water. A day is coming when the new king from the royal line of David will be a symbol of the nations. They will gather in his royal city and give him honor.
The great O antiphons are so called because each one of them begins with the word O. And these are traditionally used by Roman Catholics and Anglicans and some of the high church traditions in the last seven days leading up to Christmas Eve. So one a day from the 17th of December to the 23rd of December. And whilst in the free churches we do seem to enjoy singing the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we rarely take time to reflect on these sayings, these attributes of the divine which are called down from heaven or invoked in these words. Each of the seven attributes has its origin in the scriptures and often, though not exclusively, in the poetic words of prophecy. And so it seemed good to take a few moments to pause and to ponder what it is we are invoking, what it is we are calling down from heaven when we sing the hymn or pray the prayers. There are some pictures which some people may be able to see um, of illustrations of the O antiphons on the screen. You all have a copy of an English translation of them to take away with you later on, at least I hope you'll all be able to find one to take away with you. But basically it's just a couple, uh, couple of minute reflections, very short reflections on each one, and then we sing the next verse of the hymn. It's not a sermon, it's just a very short time of reflection and then singing, remaining seated. And we begin with sapientia. My Latin's rubbish, so the pronunciation's probably not right. But sapientia, which means wisdom. God's wisdom is usually personified in scripture as feminine. The divine spirit that hovered over the chaos preceding the ordering of creation as the dove that descended over a dripping wet, newly baptised Jesus of Nazareth. Nothing like the so-called human wisdom, the attribute that Adam and Eve aspired to in the story of Eden, and as a result of which innocence was lost. Divine wisdom is not cleverness, it's not cunning. It isn't manipulative or exploitative. It has qualities that are ethereal and mysterious. You can never quite define or contain what you mean by divine wisdom. And yet, when we glimpse it, we kind of know intuitively that that's what it is, that this is God's spirit wisdom at work. How much we long for that wisdom in the world of which we are part when every day the news disturbs our comfort and there seem to be no identifiable solutions to insurmountable problems. How much we long to make sense of and discover meaning for our own lives, weaving together the joys and sorrows of real life into a purposeful resolution. Small wonder that we cry out for God's wisdom, gentle and alluring, to transform our hearts and minds and then to transform all of creation. Come, wisdom of God, open our hearts and minds to recognise our need for fresh understanding and new insights. O Sapientia, come to us this Adventide as we look at a broken and disordered world and find ourselves bewildered and bruised in need of the wisdom you bring.
O come, true wisdom from on high. Come Adonai, God as Adonai, or Lord in our language, often equated with God as the lawgiver, the one who, having brought Israel out of Egypt from under the stern hand of Pharaoh, established a new nation, with new laws arising not from human caprice or hubris, but from the perfect love that is at the heart of God. The story of the Exodus, in which we read of the giving of the law, has a name that literally translates as way out, or road out. Ex, going out, hodos, hodos even, road. A route to freedom from slavery, not just a physical place of slavery, but the tyrannies of legal frameworks that can never address the fundamentals of greed or sin or indeed of frailty and finitude. To call upon Adonai, the ancient giver of the law, is a plea for freedom, for a way out from all that demeans and diminishes us and others, all others, and a journey into a kingdom characterised by love, justice and peace. Come, Lord, bringer of justice for those who are trampled underfoot by human greed and selfishness. Show us how we too may be bringers of hope. O Adonai, come to us this Advent tide as we long for peace in a world afflicted by sin. We need the justice that you alone can bring. Jesse. If you cut down a tree, unless somebody actively kills it or digs it out, the stump remains. And the roots penetrating deep into the earth 
continue to draw in nutrients and water. And given enough time and favourable conditions, new shoots will grow out of that stump. And the potential for a new, if somewhat oddly shaped, tree emerges. The image of the root of Jesse is based on precisely this idea. No matter how much it feels hopeless, hidden away under everything that's going on, the source of our hope remains. However dark and cold and empty it may feel, the roots of faith, however small, however tentative, continue to reach out for the tiniest source of nutrients. God's promises remain even when it feels as if God is silent or absent. The world can feel desperately dark, desperately hostile, and the church and its practices can be deeply unsatisfactory, and yet still we dare to cry out that a shoot will come forth from the residual stump, that the unseen roots will discover and draw in new life for a new season. Out of the seeming deadness of a tree stump springs new life. So we pray that new signs of hope may spring in unexpected places. Come, roots of Jesse, bringer of new life and new hope. Enliven our hearts and minds to the new responsibilities you bring us. O Radix Jesse, Come to us this Advent tide, feed and refresh us, that we may grow in faith and maturity, bearing fruit worthy of our calling. Clavis David, the key of David. There was a time when I was growing up that 21st birthday cards often had embossed gold-coloured keys on the front of them. And it was have a phrase along the lines of the key to the door. The idea that the so-called coming of age unlocked the door into the world of adulthood with all the privileges and responsibilities that that entails. That all seems to be long gone, and this significant, if largely celebratory, rite of passage is pretty much lost. I think it's just a good excuse for a party nowadays. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But nonetheless, this image of a key unlocking the door to a new tomorrow, or as in other images releasing captive from the shackles of slavery or releasing a young offender from an electronic tag 
These are powerful images. Images of release, of freedom, of new beginning, of opening a way forward. God as the key that opens that door, letting us enter the promise of life, salvation, and even eternity. And perhaps it's the same door that sometimes viewed from the other side suggests the God who deliberately and purposefully comes down and knocks, opening the door from heaven into creation. And of a God who chooses to enter into our experience, as well as a God who chooses to invite us to enter into peace. Come, key of David, unlocking the way to freedom and fulfilment. Set us free so that we may bring freedom and hope to others. O Clavis David, come to us this Advent tide. Release us from selfishness and send us out to release other captives. Come, Oriens, day spring, dawn, sometimes even morning star. In these winter months, especially in this part of the Northern Hemisphere, most of us, I suspect, wake up when it's still dark. It's still dark at 8 o'clock this morning, so I'm guessing that most people woke up in the dark. And for those who have to go out to work, there can be a sense that we never see any daylight. We go off before the dawn and we come back after the dark. And in the kind of Dreykhwet days we've had over the last few weeks, well, it never seems to get light at all, does it? But what about those clear, crisp, cold winter mornings that we just sometimes get? And you get up around about dawn, and there is a mysterious, ethereal beauty as the colours slowly but surely dispel the darkness, ranging from very subtle violets and blues through to blazing golds and scarlets. I don't know if anybody apart from me saw the sunrise this morning, but it was one of those sunrises. It was just beautiful. I looked out towards uh, York Hill, and there were the two cranes that stand forming a saltire every night. I don't know why they do that. They go walk about in the day, but they make a saltire every night. And the colours were stunning. Out of all that dreekness and awfulness, there was colour. Darkness, whether literal or metaphorical, can feel oppressive, even overwhelming. And yet something as tiny as a candle flame can make the difference. Light is a very familiar biblical metaphor for Christ and hence for God. 
often seen as all-pervading brightness. But the morning star, the day spring or the dawn are more subtle, more gentle images that hint of a God already present in the darkness, slowly and carefully transforming it from within. Colourlessness tinged with purple, blue, gold, red, orange, pink. A fleeting revelation rainbow of hope. Come, day spring from on high, bring light to the darkness of loneliness, despair, anxiety, grief and pain, leading us step by step into wholeness. O Orions, come to us this Advent tide. Consume the darkness within and without and let righteousness shine in our lives. Come, Rex Gentium, King of the Nations. If you forgive the flippancy at the start of this reflection, those who are familiar with the television quiz Pointless will be familiar with the definition of a nation as a sovereign state that is a member of the United Nations in its own right. They say that every time they have a question of our countries. This sixth of the great O antiphons challenges that because it calls on God not as the king of our nation, not as the king of Scotland, not as the king of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and various other bits, not even as the God of the United Nations, but the God of all the nations. And that, to me, seems particularly poignant and especially significant in view of the vote taken in the UK government this week, in view of recent events in Syria, in France, in Beirut, in Belgium, in the United States of America, and so on. And no less significant in the contrasting good news from some of the African nations, such as Nigeria and the Gambia, who have recently and importantly outlawed female genital mutilation. God as king of the nations anticipates something of which now we can only dream. One kingdom where all can dwell in harmony and peace, and yet within which, just maybe those distinct national or ethnic identities remain discernible. 
doesn't say king of the nation. It's king of the nations. And for those who are uncomfortable with the language of kingdom, and I know there are some who are, then read that as commonwealth or republic or whatever language works for you. God who is over all nations. A God who is never on our side to justify our worldview. Rather, a God under whose authority we choose to live. Discovering an alternative outlook on the world we share with those who we perceive to be really quite different from us. Come, King of the Nations, breaking down barriers between races, ending violence and bringing shalom. As citizens of your embryonic kingdom, may we be channels for your grace and mercy. O Rex Gentium, come this Advent tide, rule in our hearts and lives, and may your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Emmanuel, God with us. This final antiphon focuses on the promise we believe to be fulfilled in the birth of Christ. A tiny child born of a peasant girl in Bethlehem. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a familiar word. And an idea we've heard so many times that perhaps we no longer marvel at just how preposterous that is. We've had images of a God of power, God as Lord or King, God as wisdom. And we've had metaphors such as light or the key of a door or the uh, persistent deeply buried root bringing new growth when all seemed dead. And these point us to something of the mystery and majesty of the God who is transcendent, the God who is beyond and yet somehow touches our lives. But this seventh image is radically different. A God who is imminent. A God who is here with us, literally sharing the realities of our experiences within the confines of a human body. It's a profound mystery, and it's kept theologians busy for, for two millennia already. As, and we, like they, marvel at how God can simultaneously be far away out there somewhere, beyond all that is, and yet closer than our own breathing. How can Jesus be completely human and completely divine? We'll never understand it. It is a mystery. And yet, you know what? 
I think if we listen to our own deepest longings, here is something we yearn for. A God intimately involved in our lives. A God who understands our lives, but who somehow is not constrained by the things that constrain us. This incomprehensible God who comes alongside us physically in a baby born around 2,000 years ago. Spiritually, as we become aware of God's grace reaching out for us in love. And also, and perhaps this is the biggest mystery, in community, as we together are the body of Christ in this place. Come. Come and be with us, God, beyond our understanding. Be born afresh in our hearts And bring us alive with new hope in Christ, that we too might be channels of your grace. O Emmanuel, come to us this Advent tide. Walk with us the journeys of our lives. Share our joys and sorrows and bring us safe home to you. a legend and it echoes something of the traditions we often find in sacred writing that the great antiphons, the seven great antiphons can form an acrostic so that's uh, like a poem where each line begins with one of the letters and that if you drop the O and reverse the order you get another message so you know it's all a bit hocus pocusy but hey what the heck you get another Latin expression Erocras, which means something like, according to when I looked it up, tomorrow I come, or tomorrow I will be. I have no idea whether there's any basis to that legend that it was done deliberately to work backwards and forwards. But these seven sayings point us towards Christmas Day and are traditionally used leading up to it. And so perhaps we end with that final reminder that these images point us to the baby Jesus, a helpless child in a manger, to an itinerant preacher and a wonder worker, to an executed criminal and a risen and ascended Lord for whose return in glory we wait. We wait for Christmas. We wait for the God who comes, who has come, and who will come. We wait for the Lord. And so we sing together. Come now, O Prince of Peace.
Let us pray. Father, we give thee thanks that we have freedom to come and worship in the gathering place. At this stressful time of year, help us to pause and wait. Today our Sunday School have requested that we bring toys and clothes for children who are less fortunate. When they receive our gifts, may they feel a sense of thy love. It is good that we have families worshipping here and give thanks for Sunday school teachers, helpers and creche helpers. Bless all the work that Salvation Army does and other organisations who work all year round helping people in various circumstances. Our own church is giving to Christian Aid and the Elpis Centre for Young Women supporting the Christmas lunch for vulnerable and lonely people, and we give thee thanks for the generosity of people. Help all those who have been affected by the terrible weather conditions and bless the emergency services. Let us all pray for peace in a very troubled world. Amen.
loving God, we do believe that you are on your way always, on your way to us and with us. And so in confidence, we bring these gifts of money, knowing that you will take them and employ them in the way that best suits your purposes, not just ours. So we offer them in gratitude and faith. Amen. And now, as we prepare to meet around the Lord's table, we join together again in song. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Advent is a mysterious season. We wait for what has already happened and we anticipate what is yet to be. And communion is no less mysterious. We reenact in symbolic form events from long, long ago and we preempt in equally symbolic form, the eternal banquet in God's kingdom of peace. And in this in-between time, in the knowing and not knowing, the understanding and not understanding, we gather to share bread and wine, 
to symbolize the unity of which we dream and to remind ourselves how much we are loved by God. And so we listen to the familiar words as recorded by the Apostle Paul. For I receive from the Lord what I also handed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's pray, giving thanks. Emmanuel, God who is with us, recognised or unrecognised, sharing our everyday experiences, we thank you for the ordinary things of this world that sustain our lives, for shelter, for warmth, for clothing, for food and water. Adonai, God who is Lord over all creation, acknowledged or unacknowledged, transforming our everyday experiences with your wisdom, justice and love. We thank you for the significance we find in this moment in this bread and in this wine. Sapientia, spirit, wisdom, move among us afresh to blow away the cobwebs of fatigue, disillusionment or distress, to replace them instead with new energy, renewed vision and restored hope. Amen. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he shared it with those in that room as we in this room will share bread. No one is too good, no one too bad. No one too faithful, no one too doubting. Because this isn't something the church invites us to share. This is something the God who is with us offers us as a sign of love, hope and peace. Right at the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of wine. The cup 
of wine that symbolized the blessing of God. And he said to them, this symbolizes a new covenant, a new relationship between God and creation, a new relationship between all of you. When you drink it, remember me. Remember what I told you. Remember what I showed you. Remember what I am to you. And above all, remember I love you. We retain our glasses to drink together. this waiting season, in all the everyday rough and tumble of life, let us remember this above all things, that God loves us. And so let's drink together in faith, trust and hope. You're coming to earth as the baby of Bethlehem. We prepare our hearts to celebrate. Your mysterious presence with us in the messiness of our disordered world. We appreciate. Your promised reign of shalom when all things shall be renewed. We anticipate. Glory be to you, O Christ. Amen.
from the slavery activity of activity and the prisons of conformity, lead us onwards, God of peace, in the footsteps of Jesus, as our Advent journey continues today and in the coming days. Thank you.